It's time to be all that you can be in 23, starting with a cold plunge to get a natural boost in energy. Focus, discipline, and resilience. The plunge can provide you with all that brilliance. This is the ultimate home cold water therapy experience. A sleek, slick, custom-designed unit that gives you ready access to a cold bath of clean, filtered, circulating water that you can set to your desired temperature. Don't fool around lugging bags of ice from the supermarket for once-in-a-while action. Get the plunge so you will actually stick with your protocol and enjoy it. Visit at thecoldplunge.com to learn all about this sensational product and the benefits of therapeutic cold water exposure. They'll deliver a plunge to your home for free, and then you have easy, simple setup, regular plug-in, and you're off and running. I set mine to 39. I don't spend a lot of time, but the experience is prime, and I'm focused and energized for a fantastic day and more resilient against all other forms of stress in life. Take the plunge, people, and also check out their new Rebounder mini trampoline to pair with plunging and optimize lymphatic function. It's all at thecoldplunge.com, and you can't lose with their generous 30-day money-back guarantee and special discount for BRAD podcast listeners using the code BRAD, thecoldplunge.com. Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast. It's Brad Kearns. These are our sponsors. Male Optimization Formula with Organs. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. Perfect Keto Ketone Supplements. Carol Fit Stationary Bike. Organifi Superfood. Viore Clothing. And Let's Get Check.com Home Testing. And please visit the BradKearns.com shop page for my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance with great discounts offers and now here we go with the show mofo everyone i know is striving to live with a peaceful heart in the turmoil of current events and the craziness of the world and the challenges of everyday life but there are also times we need a warrior's spirit to tackle those very same challenges one of the things i remind people is to avoid comparison whenever possible. There's always going to be somebody better, more skilled, can run faster, swim better, do whatever it is. And there are people who can't do as well. And I think comparing ourselves to other people is a profound form of disrespect for our own process. We have more control over what we do than what emotions or thoughts happen to arise in our awareness. Most of us assume we can learn to control the quality of our thoughts. Or we can learn to control our emotions and have more positive emotions. But I think the horse I'm betting on is behavior over time, effort over time. Hey folks, how about a non-drinker telling you what kind of alcohol you should drink? That's right, it's pseudo-sommelier Brad Kearns here to recommend dry farm wines. Why? Because if you choose to drink, I want you to be healthy and make a superior choice to the mainstream commercial wines. Listen to my podcast with Dry Farm Wines founder Todd White. The insights were astonishing, especially that most all commercial wines are loaded with dozens of chemicals that the FDA allows in your wine but don't have to be listed on the label. And the sugar, oh my goodness, the sugar levels can be as much or more per liter than Coca-Cola but difficult to taste due to the acidity in the wine. 
Dry Farm Wines is a membership club where you're shipped hand-picked wines from old-world family-run vineyards in France, Italy, Greece, and Sicily. These wines come from non-irrigated vineyards hundreds of years old that deliver a tastier, higher antioxidant grape, and they're independent lab certified to be completely free from chemical additives and naturally 100% sugar-free. That's right, the sugar was allowed to ferment out instead of be arrested by chemical intervention in the name of pleasing the average consumer palate that has a sweet tooth. The Dry Farm Wines Club has taken off like crazy because ancestral and keto enthusiasts, people who care about their health, appreciate a sugar-free wine. You'll enjoy the variety, the taste, and the pleasant sensation in the aftermath of burning through the alcohol buzz and going on with your life without a hangover. So if you care about your carb intake and your overall health, Dry Farm Wines has a special promotion for podcast listeners. Get your first bottle for a penny when you enroll at dryfarmwines.com slash brad or click on the Dry Farm Wines at the bradkerns.com shopping page. Cheers. Hey, listeners. I am so excited and honored to present to you my interview with the one and only Dan Millman, author of The Way of the Peaceful Warrior and many other books. He's one of the all-time best-selling authors in the New Age spirituality space, but Dan's message is unique, and I think whoever you are, you're going to be captivated by the insights and the thoughtful quotes that he presents in this show. I think it's going to inspire you to go digging further into his writings and his teachings. Oh my goodness, uh, I first became acquainted with the book The Way of the Peaceful Warrior back in 1988. The subtitle is A Book That Changes Lives, and I can honestly tell you it changed my life more than any other book. I'm going to have to call it my favorite book of all time. And I read Way of the Peaceful Warrior once a year, probably for 14 years in a row just to pick it up again and get reminded of all the wonderful teachings and insights and the great writing that uh, Dan tells his story with, always with humor and lightheartedness and a practical tone to it, so it's not like a thick, cumbersome read. I know he appeals to the New Age spirituality genre, but he's very much a normal, everyday guy just trying to do his best. He comes from an extreme athletic background. That's why he was so captivating to me as a young man pursuing my athletic goals and dreams. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about what the book's about so you can have proper context for the show. Uh, when Dan Millman was a young man, he expected that hard work would eventually bring a life of comfort, wisdom, and happiness. Yet despite his many successes, he was a world champion on the trampoline and a national champion gymnast at UC Berkeley. Despite that, he was haunted by the feeling that something was missing. Awakened by dark dreams one night, Dan found himself at a gas station with an old man named Socrates, and his world was changed forever. Guided by this eccentric old warrior and inspired by a young woman named Joy, Dan began a spiritual odyssey into the realms of light and shadow, romance and mystery, toward a final confrontation that would deliver or destroy him. This autobiographical novel is one of the most beloved spiritual sagas of our time. For decades, friends and families around the world have shared the book that teaches the way of the peaceful warrior. Life as a peaceful warrior is a life of meditation, mindfulness, compassion, passion, 
and acceptance. And Dan has written 17 more books along the same lines. One of them's called No Ordinary Moments. I love that book. And what a great insight from Dan that there are no ordinary moments in life. So please listen carefully to the show, maybe listen to it twice because you'll catch new things each time. I love his emphasis on taking action as the path to happiness rather than trying to conjure the ideal attitude or mindset. Go out and do something that makes you feel happy. And that is the that's the secret. Okay, people, I think you can hear my enthusiasm sufficiently, and I hereby present one of the great authors of all time and modern philosophers. It's Dan Millman. Dan Millman, I, I, I can't believe this day has come. I've been trying to connect with you for a long time and uh, dating back to first reading The Way of the Peaceful Warrior in 1988. It is such an honor to have you and, and to talk about your wonderful life's work. Well, I'm very pleased to be speaking with you today as well, Brad. I, I'd say I'm nervous, but of course, I'm just uh, living in the moment here. So what's there to be nervous about? I'm just excited and uh, we're going we're gonna to see where this goes. But as you know, my podcast is titled Get Over Yourself. And part of that is inspired by the, the teachings and the way. And I think that this lines up so nicely. And I guess uh, we could start by you kind of telling the audience, if they're not familiar with your work, uh, what the way of the peaceful warrior is all about and the journey that you've been on since you were back at Berkeley and uh, going through these amazing life changes and, and lessons. Sure, I'm, I'm sure I'm happy to do that. Before I do the introduction to my work, for those not familiar with me, um, since you mentioned you had you were feeling uh, some nerves, um, one of the central principles these days that that uh, I find helps people to live wisely and well just hit the ground running here. Uh, those three principles are to accept our feelings and thoughts, whatever they may be, uh, as natural to us in that moment. Um, so we both may be feeling whatever we're feeling. The second thing is to focus on a purpose. And my purpose right now is very clear, as is yours. And then to do what needs to be done. So now we kick it off. And I think that's a good place to start. And, and at the beginning, when um, I was a, a young kid, I loved to jump on a trampoline. That's something I had in common with many people today. It's fun to jump on a trampoline. But I, there was something about the challenge I loved. Now, who could have guessed that jumping up and down on a trampoline could have affected the entire course of my life? But it did. Uh, trampoline led to gymnastics, to a scholarship to University of California in, in, in the field. It led to eventually a world championship um, after a lot of play, which some people call training. And that led eventually to a, a coaching job at Stanford University. The head coach at 22 years old, I started doing that. There's much more to the story. In fact, at this present time, right on my computer screen, I've got the manuscript. I'm work, about to start the fifth draft of a memoir, the story behind the story of the book Way of the Peaceful Warrior and my other books. So um, when I was coaching, when I was a young athlete, Brad, I was really focused on the idea of talent. What does talent mean? We use the term a lot. Um, and it seemed to me that physical talent could be developed. It wasn't just innate. In fact, maybe it was 20% inborn. Some people have certain body types that lend themselves to certain activities. But it seemed to me that talent could be developed. Now, if it can be, how do you develop physical talent? 
Um, I would define talent as the ability to learn faster and learn easier and rise to higher levels. So I said, how, what could help people do that? And so it seemed to me that strength, that's pretty uh, you know, common sense. The stronger we are, the better muscular control, it helps us to learn faster and easier in sports. And that's also true for suppleness or flexibility and sensitivity like coordination, rhythm, timing, balance, reflex speed. Um, and so all those things contributed toward physical talent. Now I tested that on the athletes I coached at Stanford. Instead of teaching them the skills of gymnastics, the first year we focused on building that foundation of talent and all those qualities I mentioned. And there are various exercises to do that. So my theory did actually work in practice. In three and a half years, uh, our team went from the bottom of our conference to one of the top three teams in the United States. And I, I actually trained the top U.S. Olympian as well. So that was all great. And I might still be coaching today. But there was a, a process of disillusion. You know, I... I realized that being able to do somersaults and so on didn't really help me when I went out on a date or when I got married or when I had children or when I dealt with financial challenges or career decisions uh, or the other issues we all meet in daily life. So that's when I started asking a bigger question, which is how can we develop talent, not for sport necessarily, but talent for living? What are a set of life skills uh, to enjoy and appreciate life's bigger picture. And that question sent me on a spiritual quest, which I do write about in the memoir. I'm not promoting that now because it won't even be out for a year till the probably autumn of 2021. But um, I am going into some depth. And it led to an approach to living after working with some significant mentors in my life, role models and, and, and spiritual mentors. Uh, it led to an approach I call the way of the peaceful warrior. And rather than my doing a monologue, I could give you a, a chance to say, well, gee, Dan, what is a peaceful warrior? But that's usually what follows. And I should define my terms. The peaceful warrior describes you, me, all of us. Because everyone I know is striving to live with a peaceful heart in the turmoil of current events, and the craziness of the world and the challenges of everyday life. But it, there are also times we need a warrior's spirit to tackle those very same challenges. So that's what a peaceful warrior is, someone who strives to live with a peaceful heart and a warrior spirit. And again, it's about all of us. And that, that's what brings me to, well, 40 years of teaching around the world, 32 countries and so on, uh, for these past 40 years. And that brings us up pretty much to the present. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the the term is beautiful because it's seemingly a dichotomy. But as you uh, learn from from getting into your your books and your teachings, um, it's it's certainly possible to to blend those two seemingly disparate uh, dispositions together. And that, in fact, is probably the ideal way to take on these challenges and always strive for that balance, which I think we more than ever today have forgotten and. Um, you know, we, we probably need this type of 
uh, teachings, you know, now that we're in this age of uh, massive consumerism and the, the hype of social media and the, the, the FOMO, uh, the fear of missing out, uh, epidemic uh, disease state, all the divisiveness, all these things that we seem to have gotten away from um, kind of that, I, I think you described that we all want to live in that, uh, that nice blissful state, but we get, we get taken off track so easily. Well, I once uh, asked one of my mentors, um, how can I develop and cultivate a peaceful mind? And he said, if your house happens to be on fire, you probably don't really want to have a peaceful mind in that moment. Uh, he said, maybe it's more important to have a flexible mind that hmm. can adapt to the circumstances that arise. So it's not about a blissful state. In fact, what I teach these days, how it's evolved over a considerable time, is that it's not so much about the whole spiritual idea of somehow fixing our insides and having a blissful inner peace and inner state or having the right emotions or positive thoughts in order to function well in daily life. Um, if we look at our lives realistically, we'll see what brought us to this present moment are the way we've behaved, the actions we've taken. So it's not so much as an inside-out operation that many people assume mm. spirituality is about. It's more about outside-in. It's like behaving uh, in, in the way that we think an enlightened, loving, kind, courageous person might behave and doing that. So it's uh, really about all of us becoming great actors. Now, some people say fake it till you make it, but it's not faking it. It's not faking it any more than somebody who is afraid but needs to uh, uh, rescue a child who's wandered out into traffic. And they run out into traffic to grab the child and save them. They might be terrified, but they're behaving with courage. And in fact, we can only show courage when we're afraid. So, you know, Customato, a boxing coach, once said, heroes and cowards feel exactly the same fear. They just behave, they just respond differently. So it's my teaching today is really about what we do and what the choices we make and our behavior moment to moment. Now, look, I fail all the time. I still get ticked off and act like an idiot sometime, ask my wife or my daughters. Um, but I'm practicing sincerely, and that's all I could ask of anyone. Right. And I guess the the actions uh, supersede whatever's going on in your mind. Uh, even if you're trying to cultivate a peaceful heart and meditating an hour every day. And I, I think that's kind of where your teachings uh, diverge from uh, the stuff that a lot of people just kind of uh, discount where they're not into that spiritual path. They just want to get their work done and, uh, you know, get through the busy day. But I, I like how you describe, you know, every moment that we have as an opportunity to engage in a form of meditation. Uh, there are no ordinary moments, the title of one of your greatest books. And um, that part appeals so much to me. I think I, you know, I connected when I first picked up your book because I was a young athlete obsessed with success and trying to, uh, you know, achieve happiness through succeeding and attaching my self-esteem to everything I did. And then realizing that, you know, there's a way to just uh, take a deep breath, relax, and maybe pursue all these challenging goals and, and do take action and have a a productive life, uh, but with sort of a different disposition than we've been programmed to with, uh, you know, modern culture. 
I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. Yes, yes, absolutely. There's an old saying uh, regarding the spiritual search. Uh, when we begin, mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers. And once we've done a lot of inner work and matured uh, and understand life's bigger picture, mountains are no longer just mountains and rivers are no longer just rivers. But at the end of this search, at the end of our journey, mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers. So what, what the point of that story is that we're all at different places in our life. It's not better or worse, superior, inferior. We're just at different places on the path. There's an old saying, there's only one light, but many lamps. And there's only one journey, but many paths up that mountain. So we're all on our own path, and we need to respect our own way of approaching it. One of the things I remind people is uh, to avoid comparison whenever possible. You know that as an athlete, there's always going to be somebody better, more skilled, can run faster, swim better, do whatever it is. And there are people who can't do as well. And I think comparing ourselves to other people is a profound form of disrespect for our own process. I used to teach back somersaults, let's say, and some people learn them quicker than others. But often the people who take longer to learn, learn it better than those who learned it faster. So that's why I think it's important uh, for us to respect our own way of doing things, our own process, wherever we are on our own journey. Oh, I love it. And I try so hard to dispense these types of messages to my kids because I think I'm in a battle trying to overcome all the cultural programming that, uh, oh, well, what's, your, what's your college major? Oh, interesting. What are you going to do with that? You know, what, uh, let, let's, let's see if we can, um, you know, characterize you by uh, your, you know, distinctions of things that you achieve rather than, you know, getting to know the person and accepting people. And it, it seems to me like we already have enough 
senators. There, there's, there's 50, there's 100, right? We, we, we have enough of everything. We have enough doctors, lawyers, uh, famous celebrities. And so, you know, finding your own path seems to be uh, a great suggestion that, you know, we can all kind of uh, embrace and, and see where it takes us rather than, you know, being constantly immersed into this rat race mentality, which causes so much pain and suffering. Well, you know, Lily Tomlin, most people know Lily Tomlin's famous quote, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with achieving. I certainly did a lot of achieving in my own life. I just found out it didn't lead to lasting happiness. Hmm. You know, there, there's a, a kind of a rap I give, a, a little, a short talk on the subject of happiness. I, I tell people one of the best things about going to college is that you find out it doesn't make you happy. Um, it, it doesn't come with a college degree. Now, there are people who never went to college that may believe for years or decades, if only I'd gone to college, I'd be happy. If only I found my soulmate or improved my relationship, I'd be happy. If only I had children, I'd be happy. If only I hadn't had children, I'd be happy. <laughs> if only I made more money, I'd be happy. If only I got more respect. If only I traveled more. And until we find out that there is no such thing as future happiness, we're not working toward future happiness because the future is always the future. We're either happy now, wherever we are in life, or not. Now, that begs the question, what is happiness? If people believe it's some blissful, good feeling that comes over us, we know feelings change all the time. There's no realistic way to control that or make ourselves feel a given way all the time or most of the time even. Feelings just change. We know that in our own experience. And, but we think there's some secret. The next book are, is going to do it, is going to flip the light switch. But happiness, I view now as a practice. And it, again, it goes along with something I hinted at before. Why I don't ask people to feel grateful, happy loving, peaceful, kind, courageous, or confident. But I do ask them to do their best to behave in those ways. Mm. Because we have more control over what we do than what, than what emotions or thoughts happen to arise in our awareness. And that's, that's a big one. Most of us assume we can learn to control the quality of our thoughts. Or, or we can learn to control our emotions and have more positive emotions. But I think the horse I'm betting on is behavior over time, effort over time. So taking action, uh, you're, you're suggesting that may be the key to landing in happiness by default, taking the right actions, I suppose. Well, yes. Uh, and, you know, those who get things done, those who function well, despite their changing feelings and thoughts, whether they're motivated or not mm. and so on, they uh, will more likely have a default sense of fulfillment than those who don't get things done because they have a good reason or excuse. So despite <laughs> what we're feeling or not feeling, we still need to function as best we can in everyday life. You know, we can't control the outcomes. This is another reminder I offer. We can't control the outcomes in life. That's why I tell people, don't strive for success. That's not in our control. Strive for excellence. Because excellence is in our control, whether we're athletes, whether we're in the business world, as a parent, it's tougher as a parent. <laughs> the criteria are very muddled in terms of what it means to be a good parent. But the point is, we can't control the outcomes, but we can control our efforts. 
And by making a good effort over time, whether we're discouraged, uh, whether we're confident or not, by making a good effort over time, we're more likely to achieve the, out, the outcomes we'd like um, than not making the effort. A quick story, Brad. It's a true story. Um, I, w- when I turned 50, um, I did an all-night hike. I started at 11 p.m. and hiked through the woods, the mountains near the coast when I lived in Northern California. Now I'm in Brooklyn, New York. So that was really interesting. I, I lost the trail in the middle of the night, uh, you know, about two in the morning. I Where's the trail? I backtracked, found it again, and got back on the path. Just kind of a metaphor of life, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that was a good experience for my 50th. But then my 60th came around. And it was like, um, hmm, what am I going to do? Uh, and then I realized, you know what? I've always wanted to learn to ride a unicycle. So a friend of mine loaned me his unicycle. And he suggested that I try it out on the tennis court. There was a big double tennis court in a park near our house. And so, and also I could get a death grip on the chain link fence. You know, <laughs> I was trying to stay up a, on top of the unicycle. Now, anybody who's ever tried to ride one of those, it's very humbling. It, you get up on it and it goes whoop out from under you. Get it up on it again, whoop out from under you. So um, to make this story short, um, the, after the first week, I could, I could careen forward for about six pedals. The second week, I came back every single day. I wanted to quit a lot, but I kept coming back. And by the end of the second week, I did 12 pedals careening forward. That was exciting. By the end of the third week, I could do figure eights on the unicycle around the tennis court. I, something clicked and I had it. However, the point of this story is I learned two valuable things from that experience. One, everything is difficult or even impossible until it becomes easy. So it may feel impossible and believe me, unicycle does feel pretty impossible when you first start. And the second thing I learned was even more interesting. And I think you've probably experienced this yourself, Brad, as a former athlete, um, is I had certain days, a couple of critical days during those three weeks of practice that I was worse than I was two days before that or three days before. It suddenly everything fell apart. My mind was confused. My body was confused. But then I noticed that after those so-called bad days, I had a breakthrough. And I made a big jump in learning. And I believe what was going on in terms of the neuropsychology and all that was that it was the information, the skill was going from my front brain, thinking about it, my prefrontal lobes, to the back brain, my instinctive brain of movement. It went into the subconscious or the body knowledge. And that's why the confusion. But that's when the learning was really happening. So the moral of that is someone can have a critical day in a relationship. It seems to be falling apart and it's a crisis. But if they persist through it, they can break through to different levels of intimacy uh, and different levels of self-knowledge. So that's, that's another thing I learned from riding the unicycle. Riding a unicycle isn't the life skill we necessarily need to use a lot. But as a metaphor for mm. how to live, I think it, it was a really a good experience. And I suppose each day when you went home from the tennis courts, you probably had a sense of satisfaction that you you did make the effort and strive for excellence, even though you maybe you you ate it a few times or you know didn't have a quantifiable uh, improvement from the previous day's practice uh, and all those difficult 
difficult mindsets to uh, attain uh, without the proper training and uh, repetition of, you know, looking at your, your commitment and what your ultimate goal is. Yeah, I, I wouldn't agree with that. And, but the, the other key to this is that I had no idea whether I'd actually succeed. Just like in life, you know, the, it's again, it's a familiar saying. Many of us have heard that we're like cars, each of us, like a car driving through the night. We can only see as far as our headlight beam. But in that way, we can make the whole journey. So I did not know whether I'd actually learn to ride a unicycle. It sure didn't feel like it most of that time. Uh, and our lives are like that. Will I graduate from college? Will I succeed at this job? Um, you know, will this relationship work out? We never know. But by making that effort over time, now that doesn't sound like deep spiritual wisdom, does it? <laughs> but it's very practical. Yeah. And you, you mentioned No Ordinary Moments before. It's the title of one of my books. Um, and it's a guide, a peaceful warrior's guide to daily life. It's been around quite a while and still out there. And there, this is a story about me and the man I called Socrates, my old mentor, you know, in way of the peaceful warrior, um, that old gas station attendant, uh, played by Nick Nolte in the movie version of the book. <laughs> forever, <laughs> uh, forever associated with Nick Nolte. Exactly. It will be, I guess, for those who are movie buffs. Um, well, we were in the gymnasium one day and he just, just him and just me, and he was watching me and I, I was recovering from that shattered leg. And, um, I did a dismount off the high bar, something like a full twisting double somersault. I stuck my landing, which is a good thing. Most people know what that means. Landed without moving. And it, I figured, hey, let's quit on a high point. So figured workout was over. And I ripped off my sweatshirt, threw it in my workout bag. And then we were walking down the hall. Um, and he turned to me and said, you know, Dan, that last movie you did was really sloppy. And I said, what are you talking about, Sock? You know, that was the best dismount I did in, in weeks in memory. And he said, oh, I wasn't talking about the dismount. I was talking about the way you took off your sweatshirt, put it in your bag. And he was reminding me that I was treating one moment as special, the high bar dismount, mm. another moment as ordinary. And that's when he reminded me once again, there are no ordinary moments. We only treat them as such, but this moment won't pass again. So and there was a line I actually got into the movie at the last minute before they did the shooting. Um, he followed that comment up with, Dan, the difference between us is that you practice gymnastics. I practice everything. Now, what did he mean by that? Is it like some never-ending self-improvement program? Yes and no. When we, most of us do things. We do the laundry. We do our work at, at, our, you know, at our job. We do homework, uh, uh, we do the dish, you know, we do all those things. But when we practice something, it's different from doing. Practicing is doing with the commitment to refine or improve what we're doing. How many of us practice our signature today? How many of us practice walking when we're going down the street or practice breathing? How many of us practice eating or speaking? You know, uh, George Bernard Shaw once said, he was an orator as well as being a, you know, a playwright and so on. And he said, I learned to speak as I learned to skate or cycle by doggedly making a fool of myself until I got used to it. And those who are willing to make fools of themselves and lose face and look silly uh, usually accomplish the most. 
Wow. It's time to be all that you can be in 23, starting with a cold plunge to get a natural boost in energy. Focus, discipline, and resilience. The plunge can provide you with all that brilliance. This is the ultimate home cold water therapy experience. A sleek, slick, custom-designed unit that gives you ready access to a cold bath of clean, filtered, circulating water that you can set to your desired temperature. Don't fool around lugging bags of ice from the supermarket for once-in-a-while action. Get the plunge so you will actually stick with your protocol and enjoy it. Visit thecoldplunge.com to learn all about this sensational product and the benefits of therapeutic cold water exposure. They'll deliver a plunge to your home for free, and then you have easy, simple setup, regular plug-in, and you're off and running. I set mine to 39. I don't spend a lot of time, but the experience is prime, and I'm focused and energized for a fantastic day and more resilient against all other forms of stress in life. Take the plunge, people, and also check out their new Rebounder Mini Trampoline to pair with plunging and optimize lymphatic function. It's all at thecoldplunge.com, and you can't lose with their generous 30-day money-back guarantee and special discount for BRAD podcast listeners using the code BRAD, thecoldplunge.com. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's beautiful stuff. And... Um... You always feel, I feel great uh, closing a passage in your book or, or talking to you now. And then I relate times in my life where I guess um, the forces of the universe push me off this uh, wonderful uh, mindset disposition path and you kind of get uh, back in the trap. And I know you from sharing your, your struggles, even after you received your you know, first exposures to training in college, and then you relate that you had uh, a difficult journey for many years after that and stuck in unfulfilling jobs and uh, relationship difficulties and whatnot. And I think we can all relate to you know, our best selves and our best mindset. And then you have days where um, you go home from the, the tennis courts uh, cursing that you, you can't get better uh, at the pace you wish with your unicycle skills or um, whatever it is that we're measuring and judging ourselves for. And I'm wondering uh, if you still have difficulty recalibrating at times and you know, what are some, some tips to kind of uh, re-engage with the, the training and the things that you're convinced are wonderful and helpful and, you know, promoting of happiness, but you're not acting like that person uh, at present. Well, when I mentioned uh, maybe it's not a good idea to compare ourselves to other Mm -hmm. people, it's also not a good idea to compare ourselves to ourselves. You know, some people say, well, I don't really compete with other people. I just compete against myself. And I'm I'm trying to picture what that means. Is their arm competing against their leg? Um, how do we compete against ourselves? What they're really saying is, I want to improve. And that's wonderful. Um, I think we naturally evolve and grow with practice. Anything we practice over time, we're going to eventually do with more skill if we do it consciously without intention. So it's not about comparing ourselves to our best self. You know, young sometimes come up to me and say, Dan, you know, I'm doing pretty well, but I, want, I haven't reached my 100%. I want to do 100%. I want to do my best effort, become my best self, reach my potential. And I, sometimes I'll answer, uh, gee, maybe you already did yesterday. Maybe that was your best. That was your highest potential. Now the rest of the time you can coast and you can uh, just enjoy life. It's recess. 
Uh, it's just the idea, this thing of whatever we do is not quite there, not quite 100%. To me, it's a bit crazy making. Hmm. Uh, I think one of the key lessons of life that it took me a long time to learn is not just to respect the process of other people, but also to respect our own process and to trust that process of life unfolding. We're not all destined to make the Olympic team. We're all not all destined to become a CEO of a massive you know, company. Um, people have different karma, let's say, different destiny paths. And to me, it's so important to be, whatever we do, to take pride in that. Um, we contribute. We're part of the whole. We're like each of us, uh, a multi, you know, in a beautiful vase of flowers. We're each one of those petals. And we contribute to the beauty of the whole. So I don't think people have this deep belief that if I'm satisfied with myself, I'll stop improving. To me, I think uh, counterintuitively, we're probably going to improve even more if we're satisfied with where we are now. If we're happy with ourselves, um, then we naturally like to play and improve, like we're playing a game or a sport. How many of us just stop you know, getting better at things? I, I don't think so. It's what happens is we stop practicing. We stop practicing our signature or doing the dishes and so on. So to me, it's not about, it's this constant dilemma that sends us on a search. We are the self-improvement search. And some people like myself go beyond self-improvement and look for self-transcendence. And then that becomes their achievement game. I'm going to get rid of my ego. I'm going to have a smaller ego than anybody, and I'll be smaller. <laughs> you know that sort yeah. of thing. That, uh, um, that that reminds me of um, a, yeah. a quote from the uh, president that uh, he's his um, uh, he's his uh, I forgot the word he used. He's as modest as anybody he's ever met. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, there's a couple of, uh, there's a great quote by Golda Meir. Uh, she said, stop acting so humble. You're not that great. <laughs> and oh, there's, also, there's also an old story about um, a rabbi who was feeling too much pride. And he went into the temple and he put his prayer shawl on and he was beating his chest, saying to himself, I'm nothing and I'm nobody. Reminding himself of it, you know, I'm nothing and I'm nobody. Well, the, the cantor came in and he was so inspired by seeing the rabbi and the show of humility, he sat down next to him and also beat his chest and said, I'm nothing and I'm nobody. Well, just after that, the janitor came in and he saw the rabbi and the cantor and he was so inspired. He went and sat down next to them and he also beat his chest saying, I'm nothing and I'm nobody. Well, the cantor looks over him and then he nudges the rabbi and says, look who thinks he's nothing and nobody. <laughs> so again this whole humility thing is a little overdone we are who we are we have our achievements we have our failings and i certainly do the problem is brad we all we always see the product we don't see the process we know our own process and what it's taken to get where we've gotten wherever that may be but we see a book and we think oh man that person wrote this fantastic book Wow, how clever they are, how smart they are. They don't see the struggle and the many drafts and the horrible uh, versions of it where they'd be embarrassed to have anybody read it. It takes time and layers to write a book. As I, I may have mentioned to you before we got on air, I'm working on the fifth draft mm -hmm. uh, and there'll be a sixth probably before it's near completion. So 
Jack London once said it takes hard writing to make easy reading. And so in the same way, we're like that book. Each of us is a novel being written and we never know how it's gonna end. That's what makes it exciting. Um, but we're in, we're in our own process and everybody is. We see a famous actor, oh, they're so talented. But you know they know better than anybody their own humanity, their own failings, their own insecurities. They just are good when they get up on the screen. That's why I like seeing interviews with actors who play these roles of really good guys or gals or really bad ones. And they are just people, you know, just doing their best to be good actors. So I think that's what is very damaging for a lot of celebrities. They get treated more like more than human. Mm. And they're, they're just people good at their fields. And you can respect them for that. Right. And I, I like that. There's always a flip side to, to everything with you, Dan. That's what I love about the the readings and your messages and how we, you know, we've gone overboard with humility even and trying to be the most humble person and competing on that level. And I think also, you know, I work in the health space and uh, diet, nutrition, fitness, exercise, and, uh, you know, you can go overboard to the extent that it compromises your health because you're so freakishly healthy and so obsessed with uh, you know, finding the right foods and and judging those other foods to be beneath you and uh, exercising too much. I, I love the uh, the passage in the way of the peaceful warrior where you were doing your intensive training and you were completely ascetic and you were foregoing all the pleasures of life. And then uh, the next few pages, you're uh, out there partying all night with the message being uh, that you don't want to be addicted to anything, even healthy living. Well, as Socrates once said to me. He said, you know, you get too righteous with all your discipline, Dan. He said, hell, the stress is going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and also, yes. like, you're talking about your books. And mm -hmm. I, I, f I feel, um, you know, you relate the struggle and how difficult it is to, to present, you know, the final product. Uh, but then uh, when you do have a, a, a mega runaway bestseller that lasts for decades, uh, it's probably okay to walk around with tremendous pride about that and, and convey people uh, how, how great the book is and how it might be a book that changes their lives and not have any sort of um, smoke screen where you're trying to dispense false modesty just because that's what the culture expects of you. Well, yes, I, I would agree with that. Uh, and there's another angle on it. <laughs> um, I, it's very gratifying, the response that Way of the Peaceful Warrior has gotten uh, for these past oh, four decades. Um, at the same time, it's not because I'm so smart and clever. Because if I were, I, every one of my books would be at the same level. And they're not. They varied. I mean, they're all in print. People seem to like them all. But they didn't hit big like Peaceful Warrior. So sometimes... A book just happens to come at the right time. It captures the zeitgeist, let's say, and many people relate to it. Uh, as, as authors often say, if you can capture the universal in the particulars of your story, where many people relate to it, and it just happened. If I, could, if I had the secret sauce, I'd share it with everybody. Here's how you write a best-selling book. And many people claim to do that, and they have best-selling writing books because they're telling people how they too can be a best-selling author. But it doesn't work that like that. We can only, you know, someone once said, um, I cannot write a book commensurate to Shakespeare, but I can write a book by me. And that's what we're, each of us are here to do, not just write a book or our, our own memoir, 
to share with family and friends, but, but to write our life uh, mm. as only we can do it, not to become someone else, but to become ourselves more fully and deeply and openly. And it, it can take time. As Picasso said, it takes years to be able to paint like a child. <laughs> oh, boy. Dan, I know we, we got to uh, get you going to prepare for your all-day Zoom meeting with Italy, easier than traveling there, and you're still uh, spreading the word all over the planet. Uh, but maybe you can uh, give us some uh, parting messages about how we can connect with you and, and, and all that. I appreciate your time so much. Oh, listen, I appreciate your inviting me on, Brad. Um, yeah, the best way to connect with me, and, and if there, anybody's curious about my work, is to go to the website, old-fashioned as it may be. Um, and, you know, people can follow me on Facebook. And I, I share some favorite quotations a couple times a week uh, with people on Facebook or Twitter. But my website is peacefulwarrior.com. And the first thing people will see is a life purpose calculator. It's free. And someone can put in, click on that, put in their date of birth, and they might be surprised at some, a taste, a sample of information about the, their life path. Um, and there's much more to it, but that gives them a sample. And that, that's right there on the splash page and a favorite quote for the month. But there are many other things about my books, audio programs, online courses, uh, the Peaceful Warrior four-minute workout, that sort of thing. So I do appreciate your asking. And if anybody's curious, peacefulwarrior.com. Dan Millman, everyone, thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Dan. Have a great day. Oh, you too, Brad. It's time to be all that you can be in 23, starting with a cold plunge to get a natural boost in energy, focus, discipline, and resilience. The plunge can provide you with all that brilliance. This is the ultimate home cold water therapy experience, a sleek, slick, custom-designed unit that gives you ready access to a cold bath of clean, filtered, circulating water that you can set to your desired temperature. Don't fool around lugging bags of ice from the supermarket for once-in-a-while action. Get the plunge so you will actually stick with your protocol and enjoy it. Visit thecoldplunge.com to learn all about this sensational product and the benefits of therapeutic cold water exposure. They'll deliver a plunge to your home for free, and then you have easy, simple setup, regular plug-in, and you're off and running. I set mine to 39. I don't spend a lot of time, but the experience is prime, and I'm focused and energized for a fantastic day and more resilient against all other forms of stress in life. Take the plunge, people, and also check out their new Rebounder Mini Trampoline to pair with plunging and optimize lymphatic function. It's all at thecoldplunge.com, and you can't lose with their generous 30-day money-back guarantee and special discount for BRAD podcast listeners using the code BRAD, thecoldplunge.com.